Do you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankpitt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Welcome to the Flowerhood Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. It means so much to me. Here I am, I'm on my fourth episode, and I've actually been really blown away by the comments people have been sending me, and hey, a bit of a shout out to Mike, who sent me a message to do with the last podcast that came out where I touched on my mum's dementia. So that actually meant a lot to me. Thank you, Mike. Let me give you a little bit of background on my guest today before I bring her on to say hi. Stephanie Brown is a London-based marketing consultant running her own consultancy business on point. So that's on, O-N, and point, P-O-I-N-T-E. So don't forget the E on the end, and I'm hoping that we'll be bringing that back in a little bit later so she can explain. She's based in London. And she is an expert on content marketing, content strategy, public relations, brand marketing, corporate communications, and one area she's really well known for in the industry is working on advertising design and PR agencies on their agency reputation. So how so? Well, what she does is she works with the agencies and their clients to win awards. Now, for anyone out there who's not in the industry, you might wonder why it would be important to win awards, and it is mega. So this is the voice that helps you attract and retain a team of world-class creatives producing outstanding work. And as an agency, you also need to attract and retain world-class clients. So look, I've got to tell you guys, whatever industry you are in right now, there is no doubt that we are heading into an economic winter for a serious length of time. And this is the time to double down and focus on your own reputation as a business. This is the time to make sure you are known and seen for all the right reasons in front of your customers. You need to aim to achieve and hold the highest standards because mediocre work just doesn't cut it. Customers and clients have changed their risk profile and they are now looking for results more than ever before. Now, I want to bring in like a few words that some of Steph's peers, clients, colleagues have used to describe her. Brilliantly well-connected, exceptional resourceful with expertise that creates first-class results. And my favorite is this quote, delightful with a delicate eccentricity that persuades, cajoles, 
and undeniably delivers. And though I would love to discuss Steph's 115 award wins she has under her belt for marketing and the marketing process and her absolute love of great design, it is in fact today the eccentricity that I'm going to be discussing because Steph has a hidden world away from the agencies, the tantrums, the fear, the egos, the genius, the manic deadlines. There is a silence, a slow and measured unfolding of pure beauty. Steph grows exotic orchids. Steph, welcome to the Flowerhood Podcast. Thank you very much. I hope I can live up to that amazing introduction. <laughs> I absolutely know you will. I mean, I look, I have a, a marketing background, so it is funny that I was thinking, oh my God, I kind of almost want to just get you, I thought I'd even done this one, get you back on and, and actually go into the marketing side of what you do as well, because it is fantastic. But today, what I really want to look at is this world of orchids that that you're involved in. First of all, though, I was hoping that you could take us back a little bit before your time in marketing and perhaps go to where you were born and the years before you got into marketing. If you could just give us a bit of a synopsis on, you know, what happened in your life. Sure. So for those of you who have acute hearing abilities, you will note that I, although I live in England, um, I have a North American accent. I'm originally from Canada, from Montreal. And back in 1992, I decided to come to England to find some adventure. That was it. It was, I came on a whim because the Commonwealth thing allowed me to stay here and work for a couple of years. And I just thought, yeah, it would be great to see a different part of the world. And I knew when I arrived that it would be home. However, before I came here, well, when I came here, I before I got into marketing, I was actually a professional dancer and a choreographer and stage manager in a contemporary dance. And I sort of did that for a while when I first came over here. And then I got sick of being a starving artist. And that's when I kind of fell into marketing. So that would be, Steph, where the on point comes in, because it's my understanding that that's actually a ballet term, which means going up onto your toes. Would that be correct? Absolutely correct. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Now tell me, with this ballet background, you then took yourself into more of a conversation within the marketing world. What I really am interested in is how you really decentered from your own person and came to this connection with plants. So what propelled you to come close to orchids? So I will probably disappoint you a little bit here (laughs) because like everyone, I mean, I got into orchids because either I bought myself 
My first orchid plant was a Phalaenopsis or a moth orchid, and it was a beautiful, big, white, petaled flower, which I'm sure bought in a supermarket. Either I bought it for myself or somebody gifted it to me. I can't even remember. This goes back about maybe 10, 12 years ago, and it seemed to thrive. And I didn't really, you know, because and obviously everybody sort of approaches orchids and thinks, oh my God, so difficult to grow you know, I don't want to buy one or whatever. Or many people even think that the supermarket grown orchids are, you know, once they finish flowering, you just throw them away after that, that they're not going to reflower. Yeah. And that is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's totally crazy because, you know, if, if it still has roots and it still has leaves, why wouldn't it grow? I think the problem that many people think is because particularly the moth orchids, the phalaenopsis, the blooms last for such a long time. You know, they can last for three, four months on the plant. They kind of get it into their brains that the blooms will last forever. And therefore, as soon as the blooms drop, that's it. The plant is dead. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a rose plant in your garden, you know, the blooms drop within a week or two but it keeps on growing. And it's the same thing with an orchid. I think it's just this psychological thing because the blooms last for such a long time. Therefore, they just think, oh, you know. Also, I mean, I think the mass market orchid industry has done a very good marketing job at persuading people that, you know, they should just dump the old orchid and buy a new one as soon as the blooms are done. That's, you know, so I bought this orchid or I was gifted it and, um, and it was beautiful and had these great massive white blooms. And I started buying more of them, you know, and obviously, you know, these days you can find them, you know, everywhere. So I bought more and more of them and they seem to be doing well. And I guess I got up to having about 10 or 12 of them. And I guess that's, um, <laughs> what, what do they call it in the drugs world? Like marijuana is sort of like the feeder drug. So, so phalaenopsis, <laughs> that was like my, my gateway drug. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> that was sort of my gateway drug. And I started, you know, once I had kind of 10 or 12 of them and I was managing them and they seemed to be growing and reblooming for me and doing okay, that's when I started researching more about orchids. And suddenly I discovered, oh my God, you know, phalaenopsis are just one type, you know, of orchid. But there are literally, um, in fact, orchids, the group or the, you know, it has the largest group of orchids everywhere, you know, of, of any flowering plant. Sorry, I don't know the proper Latin terms. And within, you know, there are various sort of groups of orchids. And for example, there's one group called the Dendrobium group, which within that group alone, there's something like 10,000 plus different varieties that grow in the wild. And that is extraordinary. And that's, that's just one group, one of many different orchid groups. And, and you can find, with the exception of Antarctica, orchids are found everywhere else in the world. They're not just tropical plants the way many people think that they are they grow everywhere and this, so i learned all of this and it was great and I, you know and and then what started happening was that my store bought plants were starting not to do quite so well and of course and i had the gateway drug and i started buying other plants different more exotic ones from online nurseries around europe 
And I bought them at first because the blooms looked amazing. I bought them because I was like, oh my God, those flowers are amazing. And so I bought them. And what started happening was I was just buying, you know, these amazing different plants, not actually doing any proper research because the thing about orchids, which I tell everybody, is that it's not difficult to grow orchids as long as you are growing the right orchids for your environment. Okay. So if you are trying to put a round peg in a square hole, they will die. Absolutely. So for example, I'll give you an example. There are, there's a beautiful, I'm sure people have seen these. They're called Vandas. They're grown bare root and they have these gorgeous sort of very long roots that sort of come down and the leaves sort of spread out sideways Anyhow, to make a long story short, they don't grow in any media. The leaves, they absorb the humidity of the air. These are very tropical. They grow really well in places like Florida in the U.S. You know, they thrive in outdoor, tropical, humid environments. Mm. And they need a lot of sunshine, a lot of sunshine, like 10 hours a day of sunshine. I never bought a Vanda, <laughs> but I learned that... Trying to grow a Vanda in the UK would be impossible when you have, you know, in the midst of winter where you have maybe three hours of sunshine, maybe a day, you know. And so I made a lot of mistakes at first. I bought a lot of plants that just would not work in my environment. And even within my environment, I live in an apartment. I don't have any outdoor space. And all of my windows are northwest facing. So I only get direct sunlight kind of just before dusk, the three or four hours just before dusk. That's the only time that I get direct sunlight. And the rest of the day is kind of diffuse light all day. So that has narrowed my options in terms of what I can grow. And so I've kind of, I'm slowly moving towards specializing in one particular type that really like my conditions, which are called paphiopedilums. Wow. These are the alien-like, they kind of, a lot of people think that they are like pitcher plants. They kind of have like a little pouch. Okay. And is that for the pollination, is it? For the insects to crawl inside and... Yes, correct. distribute the pollen yeah because it's almost like the tighter the pouch the more the insect struggles and distributes the pollen correct but but these ones I mean they're not carnivorous plants they're just you know they just look like carnivorous plants and so can I just ask going back to when you're saying that you were buying them I'm presuming through like a postal order sort of system from Europe So how were they turning up? Like, what was it? Were they, was it a root that you were given or or was it an actual plant with a leaf? Oh, no, actual plants. You can buy orchids at different stages of growth. And this is something else that I I learned along the way. So so you, you can buy baby plants, which are probably five to seven years away from flowering. Obviously, those are the cheapest because the nurseries are not having to nurture the plants themselves for you for five to seven years before selling them to you. You can buy what they call near blooming size. 
What I have learned though, so, you know, I don't know, when you hear the term near blooming size, how soon do you think that they would bloom after getting them? You would hope within six months. <laughs> well, yes, that's exactly what I thought, but no, no. Okay. What I learned, what I have learned, well, I have some that are because the papiopedalums that I have decided to grow are actually the slowest growing of all orchids. <laughs> and some of the near blooming sized orchids that I purchased four years ago still have not bloomed. Okay. So this, <laughs> this is a lesson. Is this, what's interesting about this is it's it's a lesson in patience, isn't it? Correct. Correct. Orchids, and I am not a patient person. And that is one of the life lessons that orchids have taught me. They have made me a much more tolerant, patient person. And they have taught me to delight in the smallest of things. So seeing the tiniest, newest growth of a new leaf (laughs) makes me incredibly happy. Because I know that it will probably take six months for that leaf to reach its full maturity. But when I say that, for these particular ones that I'm talking about, some of them have a leaf span of about 60 centimeters. Like one leaf is about 60 centimeters in length. So it takes like six months to grow 60 centimeters. Wow. That's incredible. Isn't it interesting that you know, your nine to five job, which I'm sure isn't nine to five, because I don't know anyone who works in any kind of marketing industry where they have a nine to five job. But that job, which is just so associated with hitting deadlines with rushing, it's, you know, it's the idea of creating, but it's creating under pressure. It's a human type of thing that we're trying to always go on to the next campaign you know we Mm. we hardly ever just stop and either have the bloomed flower for weeks or like you say experience that long time frame of having a leaf you know that slowly slowly develops It's just really interesting to me that you have these two very, very different sort of juxtapositions in your life. Yes, I mean, maybe or maybe it just makes complete sense because Mm. it's a balanced thing. You know, kind of like in my early career as a dancer, I was a nonverbal communicator. And now my second career is as a verbal communicator. Mm. Balance. You know, life is about balance. So perhaps I'm sure I did not do this consciously for sure. It was completely unconscious, but there does seem to be some kind of natural balancing out in order to feel like a balanced human. And for sure, I mean, I kind of say to people that, you know, sort of every morning when I make my cup of coffee and kind of, you know, maybe turn on the news that going around and looking at all of my orchids and seeing how they've done, I mean, I know it's kind of stupid to be looking at them all on a daily basis. And I do have about 50 of them in my apartment, 
I know how crazy it sounds, you know, when I've just said that it can take six months for a leaf to grow. So, you know, I'm not going to see the daily growth. It's not like, you know, I, I have some other sort of just house plants that literally one of them I cut back four weeks ago and there's already, you know, sort of eight centimeters of growth on it. You know, that, that is not going to happen with the orchids. So it's kind of daft for me to be looking at them every day. But it's kind of my morning meditation. It's my way of grounding myself, finding that calmness before the storm of the busyness of work. I think that's extremely beautiful. And that's one of the things I find is that within nature, we don't always have to sit there in the lotus position and go into a meditation. Like being in nature actually is a form of meditation. Mm, mm. And it, it is. It fills you. Do you see the flowering as a miracle? No, I actually am more obsessed with leaves and roots than I am with the flowers. <laughs> Ooh, okay, tell me more about that then. Because I would have always thought that the flower would be like the penultimate event for someone. Well, <laughs> yeah. Tell me about that with the leaves and the roots. Yes, a healthy plant has good leaves and roots. Sometimes an unhealthy plant that does not have good leaves and roots will give you, in a last-ditch effort to survive, will give you flowers and you don't even realize that it's dying mm. because I'll give you an example. That very first plant that I had, the white phalaenopsis, in my naivety about orchids, I was astounded by it because it was continually blooming. You know, it would give me new spikes with, you know, flowers they would grow or like secondary spikes on the existing spikes would grow. It literally, it just never, ever stopped blooming for about five years. It was extraordinary. It bloomed itself to death. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I don't know. Why, look, I'm, I'm laughing, everybody, at the moment. <laughs> I'm laughing in like a kind of a... Yeah, it's yeah, not way. Like, that is, yeah, that is just yeah. Awful. it's awful, you know. It, it is, it, uh -huh. it is because I mean, it was my first orchid, so like, it was, you know, I mean, it was only a store bought, you know, but it was, it was my first orchid, and it actually, I let it bloom itself to death. Really, what I should have been doing is cutting back those new spikes to allow it time to regroup its energy to grow the leaves to give it you know, it to enable photosynthesis to happen, to grow the roots, to give it life, to grow the spikes. But I wasn't giving it the time to do that. And that's why it just bloomed itself to death because it takes, I mean, giving a flower takes an enormous amount of energy. So if you don't have a good leaf and root system, the plant does not have the energy to give you good flowers or to give you a lot of flowers. There's a very delicate balance of equation of, well, I mean, it's not mathematical, but well, it sort of is, you know, sort of giving it the right conditions. So giving it the right amount of water, the right amount of humidity, the right amount of light, all of those things as well, the right amount of uh, fertilizer, all those things. But yeah, you know, I allowed it to bloom itself to death and these things happen. <laughs> you know, you learn, you learn. I learned. 
And I think you were not alone on that. I would say that most people I know who have those shop-bought orchids that we have available all the time from the plant shops here and in the supermarkets, I hardly know anyone who still has one after a year and a half, two years. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, somebody once told me, uh, like, you know, and I am, even though I've been growing orchids for more than 10 years now, I am not an expert by any stretch of the imagination. A proper expert once told me that you are not an expert orchid grower until you've killed as many orchids as you've actually nurtured. So you've got 50 orchids at the moment. So we're looking for about a death rate of another 49 or so yeah well I have killed no no I have there are quite a few disasters along the way in fact I just um gave one a burial last week (laughs) I'm very very sorry to hear that and um yeah that's really sad so Oh my God. So tell me, and I know this is a question that when I was expressing to a few people, I was so excited that you were coming on to talk and I was saying, oh my gosh, I've got this amazing woman who just has these incredible orchids. And I am actually going to ask you, Steph, if I can take some of your pictures that I have, which I've seen you post and put them on the website, obviously crediting you, if that would be okay, because there have been some stunning orchids but one of the biggest questions I have had from people is oh gosh ask her like what on earth are we meant to do the moment we get it from the supermarket or do you use the same growing medium that you buy them in I mean what do you grow your orchids in do you use a bark or a moss or so this is one of those questions that my answer would be It depends. Mm -hmm. It depends on your environment. So there are many different types of media and it really depends. If you are trying to grow orchids in your home and you live somewhere that has extreme weather where you have air conditioning and heating on a lot, you are not going to have a lot of humidity in your home. Therefore, I would recommend using a media that actually retains moisture better because the orchid will not have any moisture in the air. Something like moss might be sphagnums, New Zealand sphagnum moss, which is the best sphagnum moss that you can buy on the market. (laughs) Thank you very much for that. (laughs) I like to hear that sort of thing. Uh, Also, strangely enough, New Zealand bark is the best bark that you can get in the market. Oh. Yes. So for me, some of my orchids are in bark, my paphiopetalums, because they are semi-terrestrial orchids and they kind of like to be slightly damp all the time, not wet, slightly damp. And the bark kind of retains the moisture in my environment. My cheaper store-bought orchids 
I actually grow them and I wouldn't recommend necessarily that people go out and do this, but I've been experimenting with those. Mm. And for the last few years, I've been growing them in what's called, well, water culture. So there's no media. They are just in pots, glass pots. So the roots are exposed in glass pots. And I kind of mist them every day with water four days a week. And then three days a week, the roots sit in the water. So basically they've got three days where they, they suck up the water. So in some ways, in many ways, now it's a very controversial way of growing and like many, and like in orchid groups, people like me are, you know, sort of lambasted for trying to grow this way because they argue that orchids in the wild do not grow this way. I argue that orchids in the wild do not grow in a bunch of bark. So but they're epiphytes, aren't they? So you correct. know they would be caught within a like a branch or a, a part of a tree, and they would be exactly. hanging in there with their roots exposed, upside down as and well. So the phalaenopsis that you find, like the when we buy them, they're like right side up with the center facing up. But actually, they grow upside down so that the water, because the thing about Phalaenopsis as well is you don't want to get any water in the middle because then you'll get crown rot and it'll die. So they hang upside down in the wild, allowing any water, if you're in the rainforest, there's a lot of water, a lot of rain, to run off the backside of the leaves and never fill in the center. Yeah. Now, that's actually a really good tip for anyone listening. Do not go and get your watering can and water the top from the top flowers and correct leaves. you never get water in between the leaves or in the center middle bit ever don't do that you will kill your orchid and what will happen is it'll be fine it'll be fine it'll be fine and then suddenly the leaves will go yellow from the inside out over a space of two days and fall off and it'll be dead <laughs> and that's another burial ceremony <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So yeah, so I've been experimenting with the water culture thing and it's an experiment because as I said, you know, they're not my expensive orchids. I kind of and because I'm obsessed with looking at roots, it's quite nice because they're in these glass jars and so I can actually see the exposed roots growing and I just find it interesting to look at. But, you know, you can use bark, you can use moss, you can use... The one media that I don't particularly like, which very often is used in the mass market. So you pick up your orchid from the supermarket and sometimes it's in... It almost looks like earth, like dirt or compost. It's not, and I can't remember the exact name of what it's called, but it's very water retentive. And that makes sense because if the factory in Malaysia is shipping all of its orchids to New York, <laughs> it needs to be in some kind of media that will retain the moisture for a very long time. So it makes sense for that. But what happens is it becomes very compacted and the smallest, of, if you don't know how to water an orchid, the biggest mistake that people make is overwatering orchids. You only need to water the orchids when, or certainly for phalaenopsis, obviously every orchid is different or every type of grouping is different, but for phalaenopsis, which is the most common, the roots in the pot, which often you can see, 
um, a little bit of them. They will go like a silvery gray color. It's at that point that you know that they need to be watered. When you water them, they go green. Okay. So the thing is, what I say to people is, obviously, we as humans want to have routines. So we want to, you know, water our plants every Saturday morning. Plants do not like that kind of a routine. The plants will tell you when they need to be watered. So it depends. And once again, it goes back to what kind of environment you have. So if you have a very dry environment, and if your orchid is in a dry type of media, then it will dry out faster. It will go silvery gray much faster. You might have to water it every two or three or four days, not every week. It also depends on the season. So if you are in England in the wintertime before you t- or in the, in the autumn before you turn on your heating and it's very damp and cool and humid, you may not need to water your orchid for 10, 12, 14 days. So how do you, if you're going away, what do you do, Steph, if you're heading off and, and you're trying to give instructions to someone to look after your plants? My gosh. That must be, you know, a little bit anxiety producing. Well, I have a wonderful next door neighbor who I have trained over the years. And this is an amazing, amazing story, actually. So um, because I actually found myself. So normally most of my orchids, if I'm going away for seven to 10 days, I don't need to do anything. Mm -hmm. They will not die. They will be fine. If I'm going away for longer than 10 days, then I call upon my lovely neighbor to help me. And she waters my plants for me. She goes in like once every week to 10 days and waters my plants. Um, And I actually found myself almost a year ago having to go back to Canada and being there for almost six months unexpectedly. And she looked after them that whole time. Or actually, I had somebody who was house-sitting until December, and then she looked after them from December to February of this year. And here is the crazy thing. And she used to bring, she has two young daughters, and she used to bring them in to help to do the watering and stuff. The magic happened on her. <gasps> the magic happened on her. She actually started looking forward to her weekly trip spending two or three hours watering my orchids every week, you know, and sending me pictures of like, not only the flat things that would flower, because in fact, the really cool thing about orchids is that they tend to flower in autumn and winter. I was going to say months, but obviously you're on the other side of the hemisphere, so that wouldn't work. So they tend to flower autumn and winter, just at the time when you want a bit of color in your life because everything is sort of desolate and wintry. And so the time period that I was away was like September to March. So that's when most of my orchids were flowering. And some of them were the ones that I had bought four years ago and had yet to flower for the first time and did. So she was sending me pictures, but she started getting obsessed also with roots and leaves and like all that other stuff as well. And suddenly, and so since I've been back, and she was bereft when I got back because she didn't have she didn't have her weekly routine of like you know she also said to me oh my god you know I'm talking to the plants when I go in and they give me peace and they really sort of you know I really look forward to it she now not so much orchids she's really got into succulents 
And her apartment is now starting to fill up with succulents. And I was talking to her husband the other day and I was talking, in fact, yeah, I was talking to her because I actually gave her a cutting of one of my orchids that I knew that she loved. So I gave her, I had, it was getting too big and I sort of separated it and I gave her part of one. And she said to me, she's getting more and more plants in her apartment because, and I used to joke about this. I used to joke to people that because of all the plants, because I also have some pretty gigantic house plants as well that have become like, you know, trees over the years. And I said, like, I probably have the cleanest air of any apartment in London kind of thing. And I, I would just joke about it, but it's no joke, Alex. She suffers from asthma. And since she has started putting plants in her apartment, her asthma has vanished. That's incredible. I mean, but I can understand that. I can absolutely understand it and relate to it totally. I mean, there are things where when I moved from my hectic, busy life in London and then eventually came back to New Zealand and then ended up on this orchard, there are things that happen in my body, which I definitely know are an effect of being around the plants and around the trees. Like you say, it's magic. And do you know what I just absolutely love about that story is not just that your neighbour has found that joy and that sort of magical experience, but her daughters were coming in as well. Mm. And one day those girls will probably go and buy some flowers grow some plants wherever they are inside and it's this knock-on effect that happens I just think that's just so neat wow yeah what a beautiful story yeah yeah oh now look Steph I'm really um conscious of your time and I don't want to overrun and I am extremely appreciative um, it's just fascinating. I just love some of those things that you were talking about. I, I love the fact that you're talking about, in fact, the roots and the leaves have become more important. I'm going to really take that away and have a think about that. I find that mm. really interesting. You know, I've just been reading about the system with trees and how so much of trees we don't see what's happening under the ground. You know, the way there are forests of aspens and they are talking to each other. What's happening down below is absolutely incredible. I think that's absolutely beautiful. And then that story has just really touched my heart hearing about your neighbour. It's just fantastic. So I thank you so much. I would absolutely love you to come back because I haven't asked half the questions that I want to <laughs> on. <laughs> my list of, of um, things about uh, caring, dividing, and all sorts of things. But look, I am just so appreciative and thank you so much for coming on Flowerhood. My pleasure. And honestly, I mean, to be honest with you, the other thing that's been giving me a lot of pleasure of late is that people are randomly, so Alex, you will know this, my other obsession is tango. And with a lack of tango at the moment, there have been some groups on Facebook that have sprouted up called, you know, what I'm doing now that I can't dance tango. And so I was posting 
pictures of my orchids. And suddenly people from all over the world, strangers are contacting me on Messenger saying, you know, sending me photos of their orchids and like asking me, you know, if everything is okay or how they can make them grow better or, you know, and that's for me, I love being able to sort of pass on my knowledge to people and hopefully help them to grow better. And not just helping them to grow their plants better. It's actually helping them to grow them. Correct. Even if they don't realise that. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to bring in the woo-woo side of it. Because it's there. Where is the best place to contact you, Steph? You know, where are you on social? Where do you like people to reach um, probably, I mean, I tend to keep a very distinct dividing line between my personal life on Facebook and my professional life on LinkedIn. So probably Facebook or, or via Messenger would be best. Great. And are you Steph Brown or Stephanie? I'm Stephanie Brown. So they can reach out and find you there. And I do know on your LinkedIn, I think, think you might have a email link that someone could always contact you if they were interested yes. on the agency side of things as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Great. And like you say, you know, we um I should just let um the listener know that we met in Buenos Aires dancing Argentine tango. And that's probably four five years ago. Five years exactly ago. five years ago. Oh my gosh. Five years ago. August 2015. That was fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, I always remember our conversation. And actually, one thing I should say, being a Canadian, is when Leonard Cohen passed away, the first person I thought of was you, because you told me quite an incredible little story about (laughs) in a bar. (laughs) And you used to serve Leonard Cohen. Yeah, yeah. And I just yeah. think it's such a, uh, yeah, it was um, quite an amazing little story. <laughs> well, look, I'm sure this is just the first of a few chats we will be having. And um, once again, thank you so much for joining me. And I wish you all the best with the 50 orchids. And I'm hoping that there will be no more burials. thank you thank you so much my heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this flowerhood podcast i hope you enjoyed it please subscribe to the show like and review it on your favorite player be part of the greater flowerhood community join the flowerhood facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com i can't wait to share the next episode until then hey Why not stop and smell the roses?